From KCRW, this is Nocturne. Have you ever been kept awake by a sound in the middle of the night? You lie in bed wishing only for sleep, and this sound nags at you. Maybe even feels like it's growing in strength, filling up every aspect of your consciousness until you can think of nothing else. That's me when my neighbor's hot tub cycles on and off all night. But what if you don't know what the sound is, or where it's coming from? Is it coming from outside? Somewhere in the house? Is it coming from inside your head? You might even think you're going crazy because you're lying there awake, obsessed with this sound, and no one else around seems to hear it. Can you hear that? Can you hear the hum? I woke her up and I said to the wife, can you hear this noise? And she's like, what noise? And she couldn't hear it. My name's Christopher Meek and I'm located in central Scotland. It was strange because you would be in your bed and you would hear, it was almost like a digger driver or two digger drivers driving about an adjacent field at half past twelve, one o'clock in the morning. When you know there was nobody there and you would look and there would just be the wind blowing. It was madness. It's a very low-pitched hum. The only way I can describe it is that there is a lorry, as we call it here, semi-truck with its engine running, or a generator left running for, for hours on end. My name is Paul Richardson, and I'm based in England in the UK. A diesel engine on the street somewhere, or the sound of propeller planes. My name is Tanya Horor, and I'm located in New Zealand. It's a very annoying low bass uh, rumble with vibration. It's horrible. It's like a truck engine idling. And when you open the door or the the, the window to see that truck, it's not there. Okay, my name is Gabriel Navarro. I'm in the city called Paraná in Argentina. My name is Dale Tutai. I live in San Francisco. I guess I would compare it to something like if you lived on top of a refrigerator and had the, you know, when the compressor comes on and there's just like, it's very mechanical. It probably wouldn't be that annoying to someone just walking into that situation, but after a while it just kind of builds and builds. My name's Valerie Wiley. Um, I'm located in the west coast of Scotland. It's kind of like a, like a generator um, humming or as if someone's left a car idling outside, just outside the house and it's sort of a low frequency hum, I think around about 73 hertz, and it feels like it's inside my head. It rumbles that much. You you can't really escape it. Any room at all in the house, I can just hear it, it's always there. Um, and it feels like it's I'm just going insane. More from Nocturne in a moment. I'm Warren Alney. On To The Point, if America ever used its thousands of nuclear weapons, it would be suicidal. In a nuclear war, there could be no winners. Everybody is a loser. All of civilization is at stake. We've known that for 75 years, but our weapons of mass destruction are still on hair-trigger alert. And just one man, President Trump, has the power to push the button. Is it finally time to make the world safer? On our To The Point podcast... listening to Nocturne 
I'm Vanessa Lowe. It's prevalent, especially at night when I'm in bed. And if I wake up, I can hear it quite loud. And then I have difficulty getting back to sleep. The hum is a primal experience. I think there's something about the bass that is instinctive to us for danger. So it is really hard to kind of habituate to it. It'd be really, really frustrating. I mean, because you were trying to get to sleep and you were focusing on it and you knew that it's no normal to hear that at night. You shouldn't be hearing it at night. Normally it starts around about 10 o'clock in the evening and that lasts right up until sometimes about 9 o'clock in the morning. It's there all night. I hear it inside. I don't really hear it outside. It's always indoors. It's never outdoors. It's always when the room's silent and there's no background noise. And I can't hear it outside. It feels like it's more vibrating through, as if it's coming through the building, as if the frequency of it is, is hitting the walls and maybe vibrating off the walls. I turned off everything in the house, from like the switchboard, I don't know what it's called, that turns off all the electricity. I need to find out what is causing this noise. So I unplugged my fridge, my freezer, a lot of electrical appliances. I even tried turning off the mains switch in the house for all the electricity. It's going to sound totally crazy, but I made like a grid in some of the rooms of our house and I mapped in all these vectors that show the the vibration directions. And I was hoping that it would pinpoint some source or show some sort of obvious pattern or something like that. I walked around the street. I drove around the street. I did quite a lot initially that I must have looked like a crazy person. You lay in your bed and you speak uh, silence and quiet, it's bothering, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good. Get some other noise, like a fan or like a waterfalls uh, recordings. You can mask the, the hum and it works. At the end, you're tricking yourself <laughs> so you don't hear that hum. I need to listen to music or sounds on my phone, like white noise to drown it out, it's that that loud. If I didn't have anything to listen to, it, it just affects my sleep. Like, I, don't, I wouldn't get any sleep for it. But if I'm somewhere and I don't have anything to block it out, it 100% interferes with my sleep. During winter, my room sometimes is like a freezer, but I can't not have a fan on. Because as soon as that fan goes off, I hear the sound. I figured out a way to put the fan onto the heater and then that ends up blowing warm air around the room. But it's ridiculous that that's what I have to do to get some sleep. I've heard it in places all over the country where I've traveled, in my parents' home, in a, a hotel uh, 150 miles away. It's very worrying, it's very irritating. Sometimes you question your own sanity, whether or not it's a type of tinnitus, whether or not it's all in my imagination. It was really, really bad. And I was quite concerned that I was going to hear this for the rest of my life. I'd be devastated. The hum is a phenomenon, a worldwide phenomenon. 
in which a small percentage of the population, we estimate no more than perhaps 3 or 4%, perhaps even as low as 2% of the general population, perceive a noise, what appears to be a very low-frequency noise, that sounds very much like the sound of a car or truck idling outside one's home is probably the best description that we have and it also suits my my own experience with the noise classic behavior of the worldwide hum is that it's louder at night than during the day uh, presumably because during the day other ambient noises are masking one's perception of the hum um, usually in my case it was around sometime between 10 and 10 30 at night when it would start up my name is Glenn McPherson, and I live on the Sunshine Coast of British Columbia, Canada. I'm a high school teacher, former university lecturer, and uh, I'm the director of the World Hum Map and Database Project. Glenn McPherson started the World Hum Map and Database in 2012, and because of its popularity, he's become somewhat of a go-to guy for international media reporting on the topic. The database has entries from thousands of people spanning five continents, People enter what the hum sounds like, where they hear it, if others around them can hear it, if they're able to record and measure what they're hearing. In the database, as well as in chat groups around the internet, you'll find not only information about where and what people are experiencing, but also wide-ranging theories about what causes the hum. Because that's one of the intriguing things about the worldwide hum. It's a huge mystery. To this day, there's no consensus about what it is. Who knows what the triggers are? Like, for example, why did the hum start in the late 60s, early 70s in England? The hum entered public consciousness in the 1960s when a number of people in Bristol, England, reported hearing an unexplained, invasive, low-frequency sound. It was quickly dubbed the Bristol hum. You can find earlier mentions of similar phenomena, but that was perhaps the first time it had happened in a city. Since then, there have been reports of the hum from clusters of people in other discrete geographical locations around the world. Probably the two most famous would be, would be number one, the uh, Taos hum in Taos, New Mexico. And the other one would be in Kokomo, Indiana. Clusters of people hearing the hum tend to occur in rural areas and small cities. In Overland Park, Kansas, it reportedly sounded like a metallic sound of something vibrating, while in Hervey Bay, Australia, it was a pulsating, continuous low rumble. In Ankara, Turkey, it's been reported to sound like a deep and quiet rumble. This is indeed a worldwide phenomenon. People who report hearing the hum often complain of feeling desperate about not being able to stop it or figure out what's causing it. It's common to dread the nighttime because of how loud and relentless the hum is. And while the noise can come and go, many people have been tormented for years. The hum has been a constant pain for me over the last few years. Yeah, it's been going on four years. I've had it for a year. When the hum was near its loudest, it was an absolute nightmare. A nightmare. And I moved houses. It's no surprise that when you talk to people who are troubled by the hum, you'll hear stories of exhaustive searches for the source of the low sound or vibration, and also lots of doctor's visits. I worried that I had a brain tumor. <laughs> I worried that maybe there was something in my, maybe like an acoustic neuroma or something not quite right in the nerves in my brain somehow, but I've 
went to a neurologist. I've been to a, a, a ridiculous amount of audiologists. I am getting an MRI done. I knew there had to be something behind it, so I just started sort of researching to see if, if it was like a medical thing um, that was causing it. I think a lot of medical professionals just kind of shrug it off and they don't really believe it. It's not a minor nuisance. It's a major nuisance, and I don't want to go insane. Glenn McPherson says he's been more curious about the hum than bothered by it. For me, the hum is more, much more of a scientific curiosity than it is a nuisance or an irritant. For some people, it's absolutely devastating. Despite considering himself a hum hearer rather than a hum sufferer, McPherson's own story of first hearing the hum mirrors countless others. He was living along the coast in British Columbia. It was let's say 10 p.m., 10.30 p.m., I heard what I at first assumed were uh, float planes, seaplanes, uh, flying overhead because we do get quite a number of those around here. But then after a number of consecutive nights, that explanation made no sense, partly because of the timing and partly because I was hearing it every night. So one night when I had uh, been hearing this sound, I stepped outside the house and the sound stopped. So then I obviously assumed that there was something inside the house causing it. So I went through a series of fairly reasonable steps to ascertain what was causing this noise. Ultimately, I went to the power breaker panel and cut the power to the entire house. And then the sound got even louder. So then I knew I was onto something rather unusual. So because of my background in, in science and physics and teaching, I just went about some logical series of tests and investigations. I wondered if it was the neighbors. I wondered if it was some nearby electrical transformer. None of those panned out. Then um, one evening, I, I'm not sure why I actually did this, but I, I went outside into my car. And as soon as I closed myself inside the car, I could hear it again. Again, very, a very odd behavior for a, for a classic acoustic source. So then that invited an obvious experiment, which is I went driving around. So I would drive a few uh, miles in this direction, that direction. I even went up into the hills and mountains here. And every time I stopped with the ignition off and the windows rolled up, I could hear this noise. So that expanded my curiosity and also limited the number of uh, possible explanations. I mean, as I drove around, I was increasingly bewildered. Ultimately, I did what most people do who hear this, is I went to the internet and I typed in something along the lines of unusual low-frequency humming noise, and there it was. And it turns out that what I was hearing was something that had been widely reported. Unfortunately, not in a hugely scientific way, but there were a smattering of serious scientific reports, and one in particular that inspired me to move forward with my project. And uh, unfortunately, a lot of pseudoscience and conspiracy theories and that sort of thing. Theories abound about what causes the hum. And because of McPherson's hum database, he hears a lot of them. I get emails from these people all the time. I'd probably get 50 60, 70 emails a month on all of this kind of stuff. Some of them are fantastic. Um, huge underground tunnel boring machines. Now, what's interesting is that perhaps a big underground tunnel boring machine might cause some kind of hum, which I would 
use a lowercase h hum, but it's certainly ridiculous as for an explanation for the larger, more global phenomenon. I had a fellow tell me that this is caused by plants. Plants are making this noise. Aliens or the Illuminati or Elvis. One of the um, ones that comes up a lot is that this is signaling the end times. Amidst all these outlandish speculations, there are also some people out of left field who have made some really remarkable suggestions, like uh, suggestions that have caused me to pause and even, and even throw the ideas around. One person suggests that right now as we speak, the Earth's magnetic field is undergoing a pole shift. So the suggestion was, could this be some artifact of the Earth's pole shift? So it's not all nutcases who write to me with their own personal theories. Some of them are obviously very bright and educated people. But of course, there have been some <laughs> absolutely outlandish theories. I mean, it's always more interesting if you can come up with some, some spectacular thing that others before you haven't been able to, to find. McPherson says that when people contact him with theories about the hum, he gives everyone the benefit of the doubt and tries to have an open mind at least at first. Everybody gets one chance with me. And however outlandish some theory or explanation might be, my reaction is, okay, that's very interesting. Now the evidence, please. And that's when the discussion usually ends and people will just fade away. The only reason why my project has been taken so seriously is because of the really strict and sometimes abrasively scientifically strict uh, approach that I've taken to this entire topic. I have very uh, forcefully distanced myself from some of the more ridiculous conspiracies um, that have surrounded this topic for decades. I mean, for goodness sake, uh, the hum was even mentioned on the X-Files by Agent Mulder. I mean, so this is a... <laughs> This is a this is a bit of a mountain to climb when it comes to wearing down some of the incredulity of the public. But just because something is unexplained doesn't mean that we need to resort to fantastical or conspiratorial or magical explanations. And this is what I've spent the better part of six, seven years now doing. Now, I'm not a scientist, per, per se. It's just been a burning scientific curiosity, and, and, I want to get, and I want to get to the bottom of this. Part of the problem with getting to the bottom of what the hum is and what causes it is actually related to how it's talked about. While the name The Worldwide Hum is sexy and intriguing, it may be misleading. The name implies that the hum is one thing that is experienced by many people. But when you talk to people who experience it, things start to get very muddy very fast. Because we don't actually have a lot of vocabulary to talk about low-frequency sounds, it's very hard to know if people are talking about the same thing. And if you've been suffering alone for months or years, and you hear someone else describe something similar to what you're experiencing, it's very tempting to go, aha, that's what's going on. I must be suffering from the hum. And having a website with something called the World Hum Database doesn't do much to clear things up. I inherited the terminology to some degree. Originally, it was called, for example, the Taos hum, or the Kokomo hum, or the Bristol hum. A few decades back, it was traditional to preface the word hum with the city where it was heard. Then in 2004, 
a scientist named David Deming, who was a hum sufferer himself, published a paper. The title of the paper was The Hum, an anomalous sound heard around the world. So it has been called The Hum for quite some time. Now, I also have to be perfectly honest by saying as much as the media has used me on this, I've used them. And so what I mean just for full disclosure or transparency, what I mean by that is I have several agendas and one of them is to normalize the phenomenon. And one of the ways to do that is to make people aware of it. There, there has to be some a public interest. And so calling it the worldwide hum or the world hum, the public has taken a massive interest in this when they've become aware of it. The phrase the hum has stuck and like it or not, we're stuck with it. Glenn McPherson himself has shifted more than once in his thinking about what the hum is. And while this may be a natural and useful part of the scientific process that he strives for, it doesn't make it any less confusing for someone suffering or trying to understand this phenomenon. From the beginning, McPherson has entertained four competing theories about the hum. One was that the hum was the accumulation of human-made noise, like freeways and electrical grids, to which some portion of the population is more sensitive. Another theory is that the low-frequency sound is some terrestrial or geological feature, like those related to earthquakes. At the time of many of his interviews with outlets like The New Republic and BBC, McPherson was strongly leaning toward a third theory, that the hum was the result of VLF, or very low-frequency radio waves, such as those used by the military to communicate with submarines. In fact, based on a paper by scientist David Deming mentioned earlier, McPherson constructed what he called a Deming box, a coffin-like box made of thick steel that would be able to block out VLF radio frequencies. The theory went that if he and others who experienced the hum could not hear it inside the box, that would lend support to VLF as the culprit. It wasn't actually a simple process. The box needed to be in a very quiet environment to begin with for the results to be meaningful, and it took some work and time to achieve that. There was a buildup of excitement in the media about perhaps finally getting an answer to this question that plagued so many. Indeed, McPherson himself seemed confident that he'd found the answer to this riddle. Eventually, McPherson and others were satisfied that the conditions were right to test the box. He got inside, closed the lid, and he still heard the hum. That was the most reasonable theory at the time, but one important, in fact, crucial distinction between science and pseudoscience is the fact that when you're involved in scientific inquiry, at the end of the day, you have to be able to say out loud, we were wrong. And on that theory, um, we were. The first three theories that McPherson entertained all had the hum as being produced by an external cause, a terrestrial artifact, human-made infrastructure, VLF radio frequencies. For those who suffer from an unexplained malady, it can border on obsession to locate a discrete cause in the environment. But by the time I spoke with him, McPherson had moved on to the fourth theory, that while many people experience low-frequency sounds related to external causes that can theoretically be located and remedied, the hum, with a capital H, is actually coming from within. But while it may be factually accurate that people around the world suffer from the same problem, it would seem, at least to me, that calling it the worldwide hum implies that the source is somewhere out there, in the world. 
I think the name of the phenomenon that I'm using and others have used does indicate an external source. But we just have to get past that. His reasoning stems from the fact that while some people hear a humming sound only in certain places, for others, the hum seems to follow them everywhere. It is certainly been my experience that wherever I go, if I can have an, a really quiet surrounding environment, typically at night, then I can, I can hear it. And by the way, that includes everywhere I've gone. And that, I think, is a crucial piece of evidence. Other people have reported this as well. For example, for years I had gone to an off-the-grid island in central Canada, in uh, western Ontario, Absolutely no electric grid, nothing of the sort. And, and the hum was precisely the same as it was here at home. I've even gone to Russia, to uh, northern Russia, and I've heard it there. So this is a worldwide phenomenon. Insofar as wherever I go, I can hear it. And it's the, it's the same for other people who have reported to me and people who are on my team. At the time of our interview, Glenn McPherson was adamant that the hum is likely an internal biological condition similar to that of tinnitus, which can present more as a high-pitched ringing or buzzing sound. He asserted that anything besides that was not actually the hum. One thing that my project has discovered is that there are a large number of more mundane, everyday sounds that can be confused or conflated with the hum. For example, if you stand near an electrical transformer, in North America that is, because we have a 60 hertz, um, 120 volt grid, you will hear a hum. So in other words, anyone who reports to my database a tone that they've matched to about 120 hertz, we can almost instantly reject that out of hand. The hum is an internally generated mechanism by the human body in a similar way that tinnitus is, in that it is an artifact or feature of the auditory system that creates the perception of sound, except it manifests quite differently than tinnitus and affects a smaller proportion of the population. So just to be clear, McPherson is saying that if you're hearing what he calls the worldwide hum, you are not actually hearing a sound that exists out in the world. I and many other people have used rather sophisticated recording equipment to try to record it, and that sound is simply not there externally. For example, if you've got three or four people in a house who can all hear the same thing, it's almost guaranteed that that is not the world hum. Because if three or four people in the house can hear it, then that almost certainly is an actual noise. McPherson says that he and his team have come up with ways to determine if what you're hearing is the internally generated hum that he's focused on or some other external sound. For those who hear the hum and they're hearing the hum, if they suddenly exhale very loudly, like like a like a, a loud exhale, what's interesting is that if in fact it's the hum that you're hearing, there's a momentary break, something around ooh maybe 300 milliseconds, maybe half a second, where there's a, a short break in the sound and then it quickly jumps back in. That's a very good diagnostic tool for separating out ordinary low frequency noises, which which don't do that. We have an excellent paper uh, written by one of our scientists in residence as a layman's guide to tracking down environmental sources and to finding out what's causing them. And so once we eliminate all those sources, we are left with a generic worldwide phenomenon that I'm, that I'm studying. This is where I find myself really scratching my head. Granted, I'm not a scientist, 
But between the confusing terminology and hearing about all the different theories, I felt pretty discouraged about the prospect of ever getting an answer to the mystery of the hum. So I was surprised when McPherson went on to say what he said next. Every once in a while, I will get that same sense of excitement and scientific doggedness that that will lead to a solution here. And I think that we're probably fairly close. We've um, had a development over the past month or two that, for me, I think signals the fact that that, that we are getting close. While McPherson is excited about this theory that the hum is an internally generated phenomenon, if it's true, there's still a sizable and daunting mystery to solve. Why did widespread reports of the hum begin in the 1960s? Is there something that began at that time that led to people around the world developing a condition where they hear an unrelenting, low-pitched hum? And if so, how could you prove it? So one thing we're pursuing is, was there a medication, over-the-counter or otherwise, or perhaps even some sort of food additive or toxicity that was introduced in England around that time and maybe then came to America and in other countries? It's well established that there are a large number of medications and and prescriptions, both um, strictly controlled prescriptions and over-the-counter medications that are toxic to the auditory system. We're also pursuing the fact that there may be certain types of exposures that can later lead to hearing the hum, and perhaps even some types of electromagnetic exposures, whether it's 5G wireless or whatever, I make absolutely no claims regarding that. But if, if in fact it turns out that this is an internally generated noise mechanism, then number one is, are there any triggers or environmental exposures that can cause this to happen to people? And once that question is answered, number two, is there anything we can do for the people who are hearing this so they can, in, in, in essence, turn it off or cause them to not hear it? I want this solved. It would appear that there's still a ways to go before we can call this solved. And to further complicate things, McPherson went on to list other trends that show up in his World Hum database. Turns out that people who are ambidextrous, that is, people who can use their left and right hands equally well, they are vastly overrepresented in in the data. In fact, a person who is ambidextrous is, from my latest calculation, seven or eight times more likely to hear the hum than otherwise. And we've found also that a family history of ADHD or autism, possibly schizophrenia, we're not sure, but at least ADHD and autism, those people are overrepresented in, in, in the data as well, which might indicate some kind of neurological component or something else that we don't know. Unsolved mysteries are fun, up to a point. But in my research about the worldwide hum, I found myself getting more and more frustrated. It seems clear that there isn't one hum that's heard by people around the world. And that's about as much certainty as I can claim. But this isn't a game. There are real people suffering. And while Glenn McPherson has worked tirelessly to find answers, even without solving the mystery of the hum with a capital H, his database does something really important. I will get a person write to me from any, from who knows where, around the world, and said that when they stumble over the project and over the database and the map, that they have broken down and, and wept. And the reason why 
is because um, they had thought they were crazy and that nobody else in the house could hear what they were hearing. And then they realize that they're not alone. And then they realize that there are a vast number of people around the world who are hearing exactly what they hear and having the exact same experience. And so there's not only a sense of community, but a sense of validation and that this is a real thing. This is not mass hysteria. This is not a hallucination. This is an auditory phenomenon, which is now so well documented that I think it's now time to fully normalize it and time to bring it into the mainstream so that we can get to the bottom of it and hopefully provide some relief for some of these people who are suffering. My, my whole family think to have lost the plot. Nobody takes it seriously. But, I mean, this is just not me in the northwest of England. It's a worldwide phenomenon. You start to worry whether it's your mental health, whether it's all inside your head, because you, you fixate on that more. Why is this happening? Why can no one else hear it? The more I heard other people's stories about it, I kind of just resigned myself to it. It's just something that happens. That's when I realized that it wasn't just me and I wasn't going mad. If I were hearing an unexplained hum for months or years that interfered with my sleep and made me question my sanity, I'd definitely want to know what was causing it. The not knowing would probably be worse than the sound itself. And of course, I'd want to make the hum stop. But when all is said and done, there may be another goal that's arguably just as important. I think a lot of it has probably got to do with my mental state in terms of how I live with the sound. So there's lots of potential things that it could be. Finding out what it is would be nice, but I don't know if I ever will. I mean, it's probably a moot point because I can hear it, but once I find that out, that might help me with the sound. But I think at the end of the day, it's, it's something that I hear and in order to be okay with it, I have to find peace with it. I haven't found peace with it yet, but I think the way that I embrace it or deflect it is going to kind of either help me live with the sound or I'm going to go insane with the sound. I think it really comes down to the mentality of the person who hears it. It doesn't matter what it is. It's how I am going to deal with it myself. You've been listening to Nocturne. I'm Vanessa Lowe. Nocturne is produced by me and was created by myself and Kent Sparling, who also composed the theme music. Kent recently released a beautiful album of music for Nocturne called Possum Music. Find it wherever you listen to great music or get more information at nocturnepodcast.org music. Nocturne is distributed by KCRW and also receives support from KCRW's Independent Producer Project, which is managed by Kristen Lepore. Thank you to Nick White. You can find links to Glenn McPherson's World Hum Map and Database at our website, nocturnepodcast.org, and the show notes for this episode. Thank you to all the people who spoke with me about their experience with the hum. If you have a story about the night that you'd like to share on Nocturne, send us an email at hello at nocturnepodcast.org. Till next time, thanks for listening.